Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome to Fantasy Football Today, DFS. It is the solo pod. It is the Tuesday recap. And the early look to next week, of course, that is going to be week seven, where we have kind of four important teams on a bye. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the 11-game slate. But before we do that, let's – hey, Zach, why don't you come on real quick? I just want to get your thoughts on week six. I thought it was a very interesting week. I thought some of our DFS plays were – Really kind of great, like the contrarian play to Jamar Chase, which we had on the cheat sheet, was great. But then again, you know, I had a stack with Geno Smith and Tyler Lockett. That that didn't work out very well. That game was so interesting to me. Any takeaways from week six, just general takeaways? I was really surprised how poorly Geno played because he's been phenomenal these first five weeks of the season. But I, I people kept saying that Arizona's defense loves to take away your top guy, and that was DK Metcalf. I think he had two catches for 34 yards, and that kind of just shut really everything down. But uh, Ken Walker was phenomenal. But for Gino, I know even in, in season long, Jamie um, had him as the start of the week of any yeah. possession. So it was very disappointing to see that. Obviously, maybe it was a, maybe like a one-game kind of skid. But other than that, like, was very surprised to see Gino struggle. Yeah, I think that was a big surprise. I wonder, in your opinion, was that – Partly a result. I mean, obviously the Arizona DBs were, were pretty good on Metcalf and Lockett. I, I noticed Gino going to, you know, his third option quite a bit, if not fourth option. With that said, was that a result of just Kyler Murray and company not pushing the Seattle Seahawks? In other words, if Kyler Murray was a quarterback that people always think he is, and I, I've been saying this, like literally I've been saying every single week, he's not that guy. He's not that guy. In spite of that, I wanted to play him last week because of the Seattle defense. But I just wonder if Kyler Murray had sort of been better if that offense had been better 
do we see a much better game out of Geno Smith, in your opinion? The thing is, normally at this time of the year, Kyler Murray is pretty dinged up. He hasn't gotten to that point yet. Normally, it's like kind of that first yeah. six weeks, he's pretty spry, running around, kind of doing everything, looking like Superman. And then mm-hmm. now you're like, oh, his shoulder kind of messed up. He's not really running as much. He hasn't had DeAndre Hopkins. Obviously, Marquise Brown did get hurt, but I think they left. Their, they lost their left guard. James Conner's been in and out of the lineup the whole year. Yeah. And that that coaching staff, I don't know, it's a mess. The entire offense is a mess. And you, obviously, you're getting Hopkins back this week. And I'm sure that's going to make people uh, like Kyler a lot more. But Kyler, right now, the, for the right now, in my opinion, even though he had a pretty poor week last week, I still think Geno Smith is playing the best football of any quarterback in the NFC West. Yeah, uh, I, I, I actually, I think you're right. Now, now that I think about it, clearly he's been better than Matt Stafford. Jimmy Garoppolo is so up and down, you don't know what you're getting. Yeah, Geno Smith is the class of the of, of the West. That's really interesting. That you, at least the um, the NFC West. Um, with all that said, okay, so by the way, for those of you, I think everybody watching this knows who Zach is and follows him on Twitter at Zbrook. But Zach, I notice, especially on like Sundays and, and over the weekend, you are all over Twitter answering people's questions. Is there a certain time you do that or do you just kind of pop on and people just have to follow you to know when you're coming on to answer trade questions or, or sit, uh, you know, questions and start and sit questions, stuff like that? You know, normally Saturdays, I'm normally kind of watching college football. Most of the people are kind of focused on college football. But as the kind of games are kind of starting to tune out towards the uh, early evening, I'll knock out a few questions there. But mostly Sunday mornings, obviously not this past Sunday, but the two weeks prior, we had the London games. So it was on there pretty early, kind of just knocking all those out. Everybody's got their lineup questions. Everybody wants to know, should I start Damian Pierce? Should I start uh, Christian Kirk? There's one guy who every week goes, Damian Pierce or blank, Damian Pierce or blank, but I'm knocking all those out, asking, answering, um, ask FFT questions. And obviously they've got the HQ show on from 10 to one um, with Dave and Jamie and Heath and sometimes Adam. And then Adam's on there. Adam's on here, the YouTube stream with Chris Towers and and, and Frank, who's behind the scenes right now. But um, there's tons of content. Everybody wants to help you answer, kind of help you with your lineups because obviously you know who you kind of want to start. But I feel like a lot of people, they just want to see somebody else's opinion, kind of see what what they would do in that situation. Maybe some people are just casual casual fans that maybe just want to kind of impress people in their work leagues and don't want to do the wrong decision. Just kind of just saying, hey, I wonder what somebody else thinks. And then kind of doing that. But I enjoy doing it and helping out. And as many people as we can help win their matchup and kind of let people uh, talk smack, I'd love to do it. Yeah, Zach, you're really you're really good at that. So for those of you that aren't already like following him, you might want to turn your alerts on too, especially on the weekends for Zach, because he's going to be there to help you out among a, a lot of the other people uh, on uh, from the Fantasy Football Today team. But let's get right into it. By the way, if you're watching us right now on YouTube, go ahead and hit the like button. Uh, but I, I do want to congratulate before we get to our lineup recaps, and we're going to do Zach. We'll do my um, we'll do my cash lineup first, but. Let's congratulate our Fantasy Football Today DFS contest winner. That's uh, MJ O'Brien 20. MJ O'Brien 20 with a pretty great score, a pretty great squad. I, I think it'll be a surprising squad, actually, in terms of, and this isn't meant to, to put MJ O'Brien down. He beat 200 people or 199 technically. But from what I recall looking at it, it wasn't some amazing team that just like hit on everything. I think that's a product of, of this week. If you were on the Geno stack or the Kyler stack or maybe even Patrick Mahomes with the wrong receiver, you, you probably weren't, you know, winning tournaments. But if you were on Josh Allen, which MJ O'Brien was, if you were on, let's say, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, our contrarian play from the Thursday show, then you probably did pretty well. So it was one of those things where it didn't take a huge lineup to beat 199 other people. So I think it's interesting. And we'll get to that in a second. But let's pull up my cash lineup. This lineup you know, it, it had Josh Allen naked, and we talked about that. I talked about it on Tuesday when we did our early look, but I also talked about it 
on um on Thursday with Jacob Gibbs, who was who was uh you know guest rolling with us on Thursday. By the way, Mike McClure will be back on Thursday to do the game by game preview. But I said it a lot. I said in tournaments and in cash, I'm going to be playing some Josh Allen naked. The reason for that was I didn't necessarily want to pay up for Stefan Diggs in all my lineups. It's just not something I wanted to do. And I wasn't sure about Gabriel Davis. So it was one of those things where I was like, all right, well, if Josh Allen is going to stack up the points, which we know he's going to do, barring injury. I, you know, hopefully he just spreads it out, you know, especially in cash games. I didn't really have to worry about a stack. So I was hopeful he'd spread it out to Stefan Diggs, to Gabriel Davis, to Isaiah McKenzie, to maybe even Khalil Shakir, Dawson Knox. And he did a lot of that. So, I mean, obviously Isaiah McKenzie had a really bad game, but he should have gotten some of that too. Anyway, Josh Allen was my quarterback in my cash game. Eno Benjamin, Ramondre Stevenson, and Ken Walker were my three running backs. Obviously, one of those was in the flex. Listen, we weren't the only show to talk about those three. Th- those three were like obvious, obvious cash plays. You can pivot to Daryl Henderson or you can pivot to a, a running back that you liked. But honestly, those three were going to be the safest plays. And in cash, you're really looking for the safe plays. So Eno Benjamin didn't really get there. Ken Walker could have had a better game, perhaps, if he was pushed by the Arizona offense. Same goes for Geno Lockett and DK Metcalf, but nonetheless, Ken Walker was fine. Ramondre Stevenson was great. He got all of the work. He was on the field a majority. He's got an 86.1% ownership share, which is kind of hilarious when you look at that. But that was about the percentage he was on the field. That was about his snap share. I mean, he he got everything. He got all of the work with the exception of one or two carries where somebody else came in. So, you know, Benjamin, 88%. You're not going to see these percentages in cash games or in anything unless – the value is just like automatic. And we knew the value, even though Eno didn't get there, we knew the value was there for him, for Ramondre, and for Tyler Lockett at 73%. Now that one was really interesting because he didn't come through, but at 73%, you're not losing a lot of ground to the field if that one doesn't come in. So again, in cash, it's okay to kind of join the field and have that player fail because he's failing for everybody. So as long as everybody else is doing pretty well, you're okay in tournaments. You never want to play a guy like Tyler Lockett, right? I don't think I need to tell you that at this point. If you've listened to this show, if somebody's 73% or 30%, you know, in, in a tournament, it's probably something to look away from, unless it's just such a free square and you know the production's going to be be there, like a Ramondre Stevenson, for example. Chris Godwin, I paired him with Tyler Lockett and Amari Cooper, who's just been a target monster. He probably should have done better than the 14.4 he scored. He had 12 targets. I believe he only caught four of them, but he got there because of the uh, touchdown he caught. Amari Cooper is another guy I'm going to be eyeing this week, which I'll mention during our early look. And then I had Zach Ertz and the Falcons defense. Falcons defense was kind of an easy call for me at home. Sam Fran has some injuries, mostly on the defensive side of the ball, but you figured that game might have a bit of a back and forth at 2,500. It was uh, a pretty easy value. And I think when I did my top three at each position, Falcons were front and center uh, on my defenses uh, at 2,500. So in summary, the, the lineup was Josh Allen, Eno Benjamin, Ramondre Stevenson, Ken Walker and Flex, Tyler Lockett, Chris Godwin, Amari Cooper, Zach Ertz, Falcons. This one obviously cashed. It wasn't anything super impressive, but this is like such an obvious lineup for cash. I mean, look at it. Other than not having Travis Kelsey, which I didn't want to pay up for, it's okay to play Zach Ertz. We know he's getting the targets in the, with with Kyler Murray at the helm. So we, we've seen it. We knew even if Kelsey had a smash game, that Zach Ertz would probably be producing, not at a similar level, but at an adequate level. And that's exactly what happened here. Um, not a ton of fire emojis, but listen, this one's this one's automatic. This is why you should play cash. That like I I can't stress this enough that this is why you should play cash. All of these plays were so obvious. 
Lockett and Godwin were such obvious value plays. Cooper, not a lot of people played, 1.4%. He's just not getting the respect in the Browns offense because everybody's paying attention to Nick Chubb and maybe Njoku because he's a tight end and there's not a lot of tight ends to choose from. Start paying attention to Amari Cooper. We're going to pay attention a lot to him this week. I'll tell you that right now. Amari Cooper is a guy I'm going to play. He's an absolute target monster. And even though he wasn't efficient last week, I expect that efficiency to regress the other way in a positive manner this week and for most weeks, frankly. So please pay attention to Amari Cooper. I don't mind that he's 1.4%. Again, if you really like the play, play him in cash. You don't have to join the crowd all the time. So um, we can move on from this one. But again, I got to stress to you, if you're not playing cash games, I just showed you why you should play cash games because it does not take a guy that does a show on fantasy football today, DFS to come up with that lineup. It just doesn't like it's so obvious. Granted in this particular case, the running backs were like really, really obvious and it's not going to be that obvious week to week. But with all that said, I, 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 it just seems week to week we're cashing in these cash games and we're not doing anything special. We're just, we're just not. So, okay, let's go to um, Mike McClure's cash lineup which he has sent over. This one was right on my score, actually. Uh, 142.28, just a point and a half apart from the score I put up. we got Geno Smith here to Tyler Lockett. So this is, again, another really good reason to play cash, right? I played Josh Allen. That was great. Well, Geno Smith to Tyler Lockett, even though, hand up, I played a lot of that in tournaments. So that, that was a crash and burn for me. But the point here is, look, look at the top. Winning $50. He cashed. With Geno Smith and Tyler Lockett collecting a grand total of 16 points. What did he do to get there? He played Diggs. So you're saving the money off Geno Smith so that you can play guys like Diggs. I played Josh Allen, so I knew I wouldn't be able to play Diggs and get all the other pieces I wanted. So instead of playing Josh Allen, he gets his primary receiver. He gets Stephon Diggs. So you can crash and burn with your stack in cash as long as you have a, a, a really good, obvious, in this case, expensive play in Stefan Diggs, who absolutely smashed the slate with a touchdown, 148 yards and 10 receptions, and he gets the 100-plus yard receiving bonus. So again, Eno Benjamin, Ramondre Stevenson, Ken Walker, same three running backs that I had that most of the field had. Uh, in this particular contest, they weren't quite as popular for some reason. Um, you know, Benjamin, 60%, Ramondre Stevenson, 43%, Ken Walker, 23%. But nonetheless, popular plays, obvious plays. His other receiver was Rondale Moore. We, we remember the value there. He was 4,200 in DraftKings. And then his defense, uh, Bengals. And of course, he has Mark Andrews in there. He's always paying up for either Travis Kelsey or, or Mark Andrews. I suspect in our game-by-game preview, those will be the, the tight ends he will be focused on in spite of there being some value at the tight end position. This is probably a week. I'm talking about the week we're, we're going into, week seven, where you're going to want to pay up for uh, the tight end position. So again, his line, his cash lineup, Geno Smith to Tyler Lockett, his running backs, Eno Benjamin, Ramondre Stevenson, Ken Walker. I mean, again, obvious plays there. Stefan Diggs, Tyler Lockett, Rondale Moore were his receivers, and then Mark Andrews uh, as his tight end and Bengals defense. You see only three three fire emojis here, and that's all you really need to cash. Week to week, that's all you need. Maybe your stack is great, you cash. Maybe your 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 tight end and your primary receiver are great, you cash. Like that's what it takes to cash. So again, contest selection, super super important. Let's go to um, my GPP, Zach, if if you would. So again, I keep I want it like full disclosure. 
I already told you I played a lot of lineups, and you know this from the Thursday show. I played a lot of lineups with Geno Smith and Tyler Lockett. Or, you know, I got different here and there. I, I played some with Geno Smith and DK Metcalf just because I knew he wouldn't be as popular being 1,200 more. And I thought DK DK's potential, given the, the, the defensive back matchup, was was really great. Same with Lockett. But anyway, I, I crashed and burned on those. So this is not one of those lineups. In fact, one of the, the lineup I had in the FFT DFS contest was in fact a Geno Smith to Tyler Lockett lineup. And for the record, I think that finished 31st out of the 200. So again, further evidence that if you pick really well, you can really you can cash and you can come really close to cashing in big tournaments or even more small ones, in this case, a 200-person field, if everything else clicks for you. So again, uh, if your stack isn't great, you can still do okay, particularly in cash games. But a lot of the tournaments I had Geno and Lockett, I finished just outside the cash. Anyway, this is a Josh Allen stack to Stefan Diggs. We know how well that turned out. Three passing touchdowns for Josh Allen, 329 passing yards. So you're getting that that bonus for the 300 plus yards, 32 rushing yards. That's another three points for Josh Allen. That's built into almost every one of his games, that that floor rushing. Uh, and he had a fumble in there, which which wasn't great. But he checked all the boxes like we thought he would against a, a Kansas City defense. And frankly, he probably should have scored more. And can we review penalties now, everyone? I mean, the trip that Chris Jones had on Josh Allen, which honestly could have decided the game, given that it was so late in the game. And I understand, I'm sure there were calls missed on on both sides, but that one was so obvious and it was such a big play with Kansas City getting the ball back. I just, I think at this point, when it comes to quarterback related um, infractions, if you will, that they need to be reviewed, whether whether a flag is thrown or not. So Josh Allen to Stephon Diggs. Same running backs. I, I just went ahead and took the free squares, even in tournaments. Ken Walker, Eno Benjamin, Ramondre Stevenson. Here's where I got different here. And I think this is why I wanted to pull this lineup as opposed to as opposed to my Geno Smith to Tyler Lockett lineup, which, which again, didn't do quite as well as this one, obviously. I took Marcus Valdez-Scantling, which I knew was going to be pretty popular. Here he's almost 15% owned. But I paired him with, instead of Travis Kelsey, which, frankly, I couldn't afford, didn't want to afford with with the stack that I built because if you do Josh Allen to Stephon Diggs with a Kelsey runback um, newsflash, even if you throw in the Falcons defense like I did here with uh, you know 13 points and a fire emoji, you got a, you got like less than five thousand left across the board. So I went with Zach Ertz, but here's where I got different: Juju Smith Schuster with Marcus Valdez Scantling. My thought here is okay. Hopefully Ertz does well enough not to get killed by Travis Kelsey. But now I know I have a combo with Juju and Marcus Valdez Scantling that nobody else has. Now, granted, you could have done that combo with Patrick Mahomes. That would be the more conventional way to build this. But my thought was, let me get all the Josh Allen points I I can get by starting him with Stefan Diggs and just getting whatever else goes um, anywhere else because I knew that was going to be the team that scored more points and hopefully. Instead of Kelsey getting the touchdowns and the yards and the receptions, hopefully they go to Juju and Marcus Valdez-Scantling. And you know what? I was almost right. Because Marcus Valdez-Scantling, he had one touchdown that was called back. He had a couple near receptions that really could have gotten him going. And we have zero points for MBS. But honestly, if we're being objective about this, it could have easily been a 10 to 15 point day. And we know what Juju Smith-Schuster did with over 113 receiving yards, a receiving touchdown, five receptions. And he gets that 100-yard receiving bonus, of course, for a score of 25.3. So I really liked this lineup. And I really think when it comes to these, quote, obvious games that you know everybody's going to be on, which we're not going to have as much this week because there's more games to choose from. But these obvious games, well, how do I get different? Well, this is one way to get different. You, you pair 
two receivers instead of the obvious tight end. You know, like that, that is just, just one small way that I thought I could get different here. And again, it almost worked. I mean, this, this lineup scored 170.06 and, and I think it really had upside to go a lot further than that, especially if, if uh, Ken Walker has, has a big game, which, which he didn't, he had an average game. So that's my GPP lineup just to wrap up. If I was confusing with the order of things, for those of you that are listening, Josh Allen, Ken Walker, Eno Benjamin, Stefan Diggs, Juju Smith-Schuster, Marcus Valdez-Scantling, Zach Ertz, Ramondre Stevenson, Falcons defense. Um, this one easily cashed, and it really had the upside to get like inside. I, I think this tournament, I'm trying to remember how many people, this was, this was actually a big one. I think it was the $33.5 max, uh, $33 max um, entry tournament, which is really popular. I think the prize pool for that one is $200,000 uh, overall, of course. And that one finished really high. And honestly, it, it really had the potential. If MBS could have gotten there uh, and Ken Walker could have had a little bit of a bigger game, that had certainly top 20 upside there. All right, finally, before we get to our FFT DFS winner and our early look, let's really quick over um, Mike's GPP lineup. We have Josh Allen. Instead of going Stefan Diggs, which, of course, he did in his cash lineup, he goes Gabe Davis and Dawson Knox, clearly trying to get a little different with that stack. And he's searching for the up the Gabe Davis upside, of course. And Dawson Knox, I'm surprised Dawson Knox was actually 11.1%. I thought he'd be a, a touch less than that. But he has Josh Allen double stacked with Gabe Davis and Dawson Knox. His running backs are Eno Benjamin, Ramondre Stevenson. He played two tight ends. So that's another way he got different. In the flex spot, he has Travis Kelsey. So at tight end, he has Dawson Knox. But in the flex spot, he has Travis Kelsey. And then, of course, he plays the popular and ultimately underwhelming for all of us, uh, Tyler Lockett. So his lineup... Josh Allen, Eno Benjamin, Ramondre Stevenson, Gabe Davis, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Tyler Lockett, Dawson Knox, Travis Kelsey, Bengals defense. I think this is a great tournament lineup. It didn't end up getting to the cash, uh, and that's you know mostly because, for one, the Bengals defense didn't come through uh, at all. But Marquez Valdez-Scantling, you know, he can't get you zero points. Tyler Lockett, as popular as he was, he certainly would have passed more than half the field if Tyler Lockett actually had a pretty decent game. Dawson Knox was ended up being a good play. Kelsey didn't prove to be worth the the price um being, you know, 22 points. He had a nice game, but it's just it's not enough to pay off the price tag to justify the price tag. So, this one fell just short with 120.96. This fell just short of the money. Um but certainly a good lineup and I love what he did here with having Marcus Valdez Scantling and Travis Kelsey on the one side of it. And then you have Josh Allen with Gabe Davis and Dawson Knox. You know you're taking a chance there because you know Gabe Davis and Dawson Knox are not target monsters. But again, it's a GPP lineup. It's not his cash lineup, which had Stefan Diggs. It's a GPP lineup. So you're hoping Stefan Diggs gets held at bay somehow, even though the Chiefs were not good against wide receiver ones. They haven't been all year. You're hoping Gabe Davis and Dawson Knox maybe combined for three touchdowns and maybe combined for eight to ten catches. And that that's how this lineup uh, gets there ultimately. So uh, that's that. Let's go to MJ O'Brien, who is MJ O'Brien 20, who is, and by the way, if you win these things, tweet at us, um, tweet your lineup if you want to, whatever. Um, I, I kind of want to know who these people are. A lot of you have tweeted at, at us. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the, the previous winners, but um, as soon as you see that you win, go ahead and go ahead and tweet at me and Mike and FFT, you know, fancy football today, whatever. And uh, let us know that you won and show off a little bit so that we can retweet you. I think, this lineup is pretty great. And like I said at the at the front end of the show, it's not like this lineup blew it out of the park, right? We've had lineups that have surpassed 200 points in, in this contest. 
And this one only scored 168.26 points. But again, it kind of goes to show this was kind of an underwhelming slate. A lot of people were on certain games that just didn't get there ultimately, including obviously that game that I was on as well, which of course was the um, Arizona Cardinals and the Seattle Seahawks. So who did get there? Josh Allen, because he always gets there. Um, 30% owned in our contest. No surprise there. We were we were really big on him. He scores over 30 points like we talked about. Eno Benjamin, Ramondre Stevenson at running back. So he went with two of the three really popular running backs. Honestly, Daryl Henderson ended up being really popular as well, but he excludes Ken Walker here. Totally fine. Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Wandale Robinson. This I absolutely love. Again, cheat sheet. My contrarian play was Jamar Chase. I talked about him on Tuesday at the early look. I talked about him on Thursday with Jacob Gibbs. In fact, Jacob not only liked Jamar Chase, but he thought T. Higgins would be a really interesting contrarian play because people didn't want to play him coming off his injury. So that's somebody to think about this week as well because people are still kind of afraid of his injury, even though he got plenty of targets. In fact, he got just as many targets as Jamar Chase did this last week, but his average depth of target was was pretty light. So he was actually running the shorter routes. Jamar Chase, they were moving him all around the formation. They were playing. He played more in the slot this week than he ever has. So they're clearly trying to be creative with Jamar Chase, and he ended up getting there partly because of a a catch and run at the very end of the game that ended up uh, giving Cincinnati the lead and the win. But love the Jamar Chase play. Justin Jefferson not getting there is actually a shock to me. I mean, he did have over 100 yards, but the Minnesota offense was just really bad. They, for some reason, weren't able to exploit the the Miami secondary, which is extremely exploitable. They got there here and there. I mean, Thielen got his, Irv Smith got his, but Justin Jefferson should have had way more than he had. But I like this is really a perfect tournament lineup in my opinion because Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase combined, granted they were both in the double digits with uh with the ownership barely, but nobody was playing those two together. Nobody. And if those two guys smashed, fortunately for MJ O'Brien 20, one of them smashed. But if both of those guys smash, I mean you are in really good shape because people just weren't paying up for those guys, certainly not together. So I really like that play. Wandale Robinson, super sneaky play, not just last week, but this week upcoming as well. He's a guy I'm going to have my eye on. Dawson Knox, you know, boomer bust play, tight end, which, you know, he's going to be that week to week. And then he plays the double tight end, just like Mike McClure did, Zach Ertz with Dawson Knox. So this lineup, Josh Allen, Eno Benjamin, Ramondre Stevenson, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Wandale Robinson, Dawson Knox, Zach Ertz, and the Panthers defense. I thought if you went Panthers defense, or Falcons defense, which were two of the lowest price, 2400 and 2500 you were going to be in really, really good shape this week. Um, I personally liked the Panthers a little bit better. Excuse me, the Falcons a little bit better than the Panthers, but really like this lineup. Congratulations, MJ O'Brien. Hopefully, you already signed up. This contest is live. I tweeted it out earlier today. It's going to be, it's on this YouTube description. If you're watching us on YouTube, if you're listening to us on Apple or Spotify or Stitcher, the link is connected to, to the podcast. So go ahead and click on that. Um, We fill up usually by Friday. So if you want to get in this contest, you may as well click on it now. Make sure you don't miss it because usually by Saturday, it's it's completely full. Um, We're at 200. I think there's an issue getting the contest bigger. So we're trying to work that out to maybe get it to 250 or 300 or even 500 because there's a lot of demand for this contest. But certainly appreciate everybody jumping into this contest. Definitely show off your lineups. Even if you don't win, you come in 10th. Tweet it out. I want to see your lineup. I think I think it's great if you come in, in inside the money here. Um, also, if you haven't already hit the like button, please hit the like button. Uh, we're going to go into our early look. We're going to check out week seven pricing, quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end. But before we do that, we're going to hear a message from our partners. 
Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. And we are back. This is Fantasy Football Today, DFS. It is Tuesday afternoon. This is the solo pod. On Thursday, it's going to be me and Mike McClure doing our game-by-game preview. But for now, it's like my favorite part of the week right now. Truly, it's the early look. Uh, it's like Christmas. Every time pricing comes out, and it's not just for, for, for NFL. I do PGA DFS as well. I love when pricing comes out. It's just, it's just, it's almost like when the brackets come out for March Madness, where you're like, I wonder who's going to be in the West and the East and then, you know, whatever, whatever region, who's going to play who. I actually have that feeling, believe it or not, every time pricing comes out, every single week pricing comes out, no matter the sport, as long as I play it, which is mainly NFL and PGA, I get that same sort of feeling, that March Madness feeling. I think it's beautiful. I guess that means I love uh, daily fantasy sports. So here we are. Let's go to, the quarterback position. But I do want to point out that it's an 11-game slate. We have a few teams on a bye, actually four teams on a bye. Bills, Rams, Vikings, Eagles. A lot of big-time players there. So in your redraft leagues, you know, we talked to Zach earlier, and we're going to bring him back on because I want to I want to ask him a question. There's some news today coming from a certain NFL owner about another NFL owner. And me and Zach are Washington Commanders fans. So I'm just curious how uh, – how Zach internalized that news. So we're, we're going to touch on that right at the end of the show. But Bills, Rams, Vikings, Eagles on a bye. In your redraft leagues, if you have a good team, you probably have a lot of Eagles or at least some. You probably have a lot of Bills or at least some. Uh, you might have some Vikings and Rams, which, you know, if you got like Cooper Cup or Justin Jefferson or Dalvin, I mean, there's there's some horses there. And you probably need help. You probably need redraft help. So um, I got to look at the questions. Maybe at the end of the show, I'll scan the questions really quick. I don't want this show to be super, super long, but maybe if you have waiver wire questions, I can answer a couple of them. If you have DFS questions, I can certainly answer, I think, all of them. Um, but again, these guys at the Fantasy Football Today team, they, they're pumping out the content. So make sure you're listening to them. They're on every day. And I know they, they jump on Twitter and answer your questions too. So um, look out for all of that. Okay, 11-game slate. We got some high totals. We got we got a lot of games to choose from this week. You know, last week it felt like there was only like two or three games and maybe a couple contrarian games to choose from. This week it's it's a little different. Um, I'll point out some games that, you know, are in that sort of 46 to 51 point total. We got the Falcons at the Bengals, 47 and a half point total. Um, I should point out the Falcons have some injuries, um, particularly to their secondary. It looks like Casey Hayward was put on IR uh, today. A.J. Terrell might be uh, injured as well. Those are the starting uh, defensive backs for the Falcons. So even though the pace in that game might be kind of slow, it could kind of be a field day for the Bengals at home, uh, 47 and a half. I think that one's going to be really interesting to diagnose during our game-by-game preview. Uh, Browns at Ravens, 46 and a half. 
That's another game I absolutely love for reasons we will get into later. Lions at the Cowboys, 48.5 point total. Lions coming off that bye. It does look like Dak Prescott will be back for the Dallas Cowboys. So that has some intrigue there in terms of how Dak is going to handle his receiver core. Like, is it going to be the CeeDee Lamb show? Does Michael Gallup get more involved? Does Noah Brown stay involved? I think there's a lot going on there. Texans at the Raiders is a 46-point total. Chiefs at the 49ers, a 48.5-point total. That one is really interesting. To me, I think there's going to be some contrarian plays in that game because even though it's a really high total, I think people are really fearful to play certain players on both sides of the ball. And if you're right about the players you pick, that one could be a a pretty great game. I also worry about the pace in that game, particularly on the 49ers side, but we'll have to wait and see um, how we diagnose that during the game-by-game preview on Thursday. Uh, I should note San Francisco incredibly banged up on defense. This is just one of those perpetually unlucky teams when it comes to injuries. The San Francisco 49ers, they're, they're just constantly banged up. So, Uh, I expect Patrick Mahomes to take advantage of that, fully take advantage of that. Uh, Seahawks at Chargers. This is the biggest total. The Chargers have the highest implied point total as well, and it's a 51-point total. Neither of these teams can play defense, really, uh, particularly in the secondary. So I anticipate this game potentially being a shootout. Could be a nice comeback spot for Geno Smith, who, again, him and his receivers are not appropriately priced, in my opinion, even coming off a bad game. So Let's start with the quarterbacks. We have it up here, thanks to Zach. Zach is the actual best, both producing and providing content. Lamar Jackson at the top. I don't have a problem with this, right? The Cleveland defense is just not getting any pushback. They are they are getting more and more injured by the game as well. Um, we'll have to see if some of that defensive line ends up coming back and playing this week. But it, this could be a nice game for Lamar Jackson. It certainly could be a nice game for a Lamar Jackson-Mark Andrews tandem. I suspect... This might be Mike McClure's favorite stack. I'm just going to put that out there right now. That, like, granted, this is a this is a slate that has the Kansas City Chiefs on it, so it might be you know Patrick Mahomes to Travis Kelsey. But I suspect his stack is going to be when we do our cheat sheet is going to be Lamar Jackson to uh, Mark Andrews. By the way, if you see the scroll at the bottom, go ahead and smash that like button if you haven't already. We appreciate you. We know I can see there's a lot of people, a good amount of people watching. So again, if you haven't already hit the like button, please, please go ahead and do that. We we really appreciate that. Uh, Lamar Jackson at the top. I, I like him. He's he's definitely going to be, you know, we give out our top three at each position uh, every Thursday show after we do our game by game preview. Then we go into our cheat sheet. I'll be surprised if Lamar Jackson isn't on my cheat sheet there. Um, I might play him naked. I might play him with Mark Andrews. It depends how much value sort of opens up and my ability to play Mark Andrews. But, but I do like that stack. Mahomes at 7,800. Um, I like that quite a bit because of the San Francisco injuries. It's just a matter of who you choose to pair him with. I think Marcus Valdez-Scantling is certainly in play coming off a a really bad game. I think Juju was in play. I thought Juju was in play last week too. Uh, And and I think that's something we talked about on the Thursday show with Jacob. Of course, Travis Kelsey is in play there as well. And again, I'm not going to go over every quarterback, but these are just quarterbacks that stick out to me. And I'll do the same at the running back, wide receiver, and tight end position. But Justin Herbert, I absolutely love. At home versus Seattle, he has been very, very underwhelming. They can't get anything going in the rushing game. And by the way, evidence of that? Well, two things to point out. One is Justin Herbert had 57 pass attempts on Monday Night Football. That's a lot, especially against a really good secondary. Like, they just can't run the ball. And it's partly because of injuries, and it's partly because they just can't run the ball. And and I think we'll have to wait to see if Keenan Allen comes back. But 
Either way, I, I absolutely love a Justin Herbert stack and a bring back or multiple bring backs on the Seattle side. And, I, and I'll say the same thing about Geno Smith and stacking him with multiple bring backs. Let's not forget this secondary, you know, JC Jackson's back, but he ain't back. If you know what I mean, he got benched last night and he's just, you know, in his defense, he's still working off that injury that he had. I believe it was an ankle injury. He came back early in the season. Then he had to sit out a game because he was, he just wasn't all there. And then he came back. We saw him last night and he got benched by, by Brendan Staley. So this secondary just, they just don't have it. And, and I think this game really has some major shootout potential. And for the record, when it comes to Justin Herbert, let's not forget that Josh Kelly got injured last night and that's not insignificant. First of all, I should point out, I had a prop. I was on the early edge last night, like I am every Monday for every Monday night football. I was on with prop stars, with Mike McClure, of course, and Jonathan Coachman. My big prop last night, this is very sad, was Joshua Kelly over 21 and a half rushing yards, which was going to smash. It was easy because Sony Michelle's snap count was going way, way down. And we saw Joshua Kelly was not only getting the rushing attempts, he was also kind of getting the, the high value rushing attempts. I had him in showdown lineups. I had him as, as, as in the prop bet. And he gets injured on the second snap of the game or, or after his second snap of the game. He didn't touch the ball. So the bet was valid. The prop was valid. And it, it you know, in other words, it didn't get voided in spite of him not touching the ball. But he got he got injured immediately. And, and if he doesn't come back, like Sony Michelle is not an efficient running back, and they're just not running Austin Eckler a lot. And when they do, by the way, he's extremely inefficient. He's great in the passing game. I think he had 10 receptions on 16 targets last night, but he they're just not running the ball well. So I think Justin Herbert, it's going to be all systems go for him. I think for the rest of the season, until they figure this out, I think you're going to see a lot of pass attempts and a lot of completions, frankly, against the Seattle defense. Okay, um, Joe Burrow at home against Atlanta. Even if he doesn't have a ton of pass attempts, I expect him to be very efficient with the ones he has. So it's 6,900. I like the value there. Dak Prescott at home versus Detroit. I'll probably avoid that one. I just wanted to point it out because it is his first game back. 6,700. Yes, it's against Detroit. Yes, it's at home. It's a great spot in theory for him. I'm just not sure I want to get there over guys like Justin Herbert or Lamar Jackson. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe Mike will change my mind on Thursday, but I'm not there yet with him. I can't play everybody, right? I can't like everybody. I'm, I'm usually focused on two or three stacks at most. So uh, Derek Carr at home versus Houston, I think is interesting just because of his price. However, going to Geno at the Los Angeles Chargers is probably more interesting because I expect that Chargers game to be more of a back and forth. I don't know how much Houston is going to push the pace or the score versus the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. So uh, while I think that Raiders game has some sneaky sort of contrarian potential, um, I just prefer if I'm going to be paying down to go to Geno Smith. And I think Geno Smith is fine in your cash games if you don't want to pay up for like a Justin Herbert or a Lamar Jackson, for example, or, or a Pat Mahomes. I think Geno is fine at 5,600. It, it's certainly a bargain. Uh, let's go to running back. We have, as expected, we have uh, Christian McCaffrey at the top. 8,400. He's home versus the Buccaneers. Listen, this is one of those situations that no matter the quarterback, I think it's safe to say that they are just going to use and abuse Christian McCaffrey and they're just going to get the ball in his hands like PJ Walker did and um, who came in for him last week. Uh, anyway, the point is, I, I think CMC is going to get a lot of work and the Bucks defense, I, I, you know, I, I see how they're rating out here on, on DraftKings. Again, you can watch us on YouTube. Hit the like button if you haven't already. But I, I don't... I don't love it. I don't love paying this price for Christian McCaffrey. I just wonder what the touchdown equity is ultimately. Oh, it was Jacob Eason who came in um, for uh, 
PJ Walker there, and he didn't really he didn't really have to do much ultimately. But I, you know, Christian McCaffrey, I'm I'm probably going to go ahead and skip that. I mentioned Austin Eckler; he's 8300, as we can see here, going up against a a bad defense, also a bad run defense for the record, and you know, not very good against pass catching running backs either. So caught 10 of 16 targets last night. If Keenan Allen is not present and accounted for, then I think we're going to see the same type of work for Austin Eckler. I think if Keenan Allen is back, we'll still see similar work for Austin Eckler. I just think Keenan does impact the passing game um, a little bit as it pertains to some of these short area passes to guys like Austin Eckler or Josh Palmer or Gerald Everett, for example. So something to consider there. Keep your eye on that. I think Derrick Henry is interesting at 8,200. He's at home against Indianapolis. I think this is a spot where Henry could have an absolute field day. And let's not forget he's catching passes now too. He's not like CMC or Eckler, but he's catching passes. Like I would expect him to have, I don't know, five to six targets potentially against Indianapolis. And I would expect him to catch three to four of them. And we know when he gets a full head of steam on, on a passing or on a, on a reception, um, you know, he can take those to the house, just like the rushing attempts. So I think Derrick Henry, if his ownership is low, I'll probably be all over that. I'll skip right over Jonathan Taylor because I don't know his status yet. Maybe it becomes more clear on Thursday. If for some reason he's out again, obviously guys like Deion Jackson are firmly in the mix there. Uh, let's go down to, to Nick Chubb. Uh, coming off a bad game, maybe his ownership stays down. His ownership has never really been that far up in terms of, you know, being super popular. I think this is a game Nick Chubb could completely go off. And even though he had a bad game, we expect that from Nick Chubb. There's going to be games where he's not going to pop off for, you know, monster runs in 100-plus yard games. But there are going to be those games where he does do that. And I think this is a game where you could have a Lamar Jackson stack to, let's say, Mark Andrews, like because that's super obvious and appropriate, most likely. You can run it back with Nick Chubb and Amari Cooper if you wanted to. And just assume that game gets in shootout potential. The Cleveland defense is bad right now. The Ravens defense is bad right now. And I, and I think both of these offenses in this particular game are going to be very efficient. And I could see that both the running game and the passing game succeed on that Brown side and, and potentially the Ravens side. We'll talk about Kenyon Drake in a second uh, when we get down to some more value. But uh, Saquon Barkley at 7,900. I mean, it's hard to say anything bad about Saquon Barkley here at Jacksonville. Not exactly a, a great rushing defense as we see here on YouTube, but 22 carries, three receptions last week for only 95 total yards. We know what we're getting with Saquon Barkley. We're getting a really safe floor, and we're getting tremendous upside potentially. We didn't see that upside last week, but, I mean, any given Sunday, right? I, I expect the upside to be there more often than not when it comes to Saquon Barkley, especially against the Jags. I think Saquon's going to be a focal point. This team is very much in contention. They have an excellent record, and they are going to max out their best players, and Saquon is their best player. So I think there's some value for the Giants at the receiver position, but Saquon is is the dude. And at 7,900, I still think that that's a, a value from a price standpoint. I think Joe Mixon is interesting at 7,000 if his if his ownership is super low. He's been extremely inefficient, but I could see Cincinnati being really quite good in this game in terms of really efficient and and scoring a lot at home against Atlanta with a lot of momentum on their side. Atlanta's really scrappy. They play well, but... If Mixon is super low owned, I'd consider it. If he's not, I'm out completely. Josh Jacobs at 6,500. We know what he can do. He gets all the volume. Oh, when he's at home, he gets to play Houston. It's a must win for the Las Vegas Raiders, who, for the record, I think are a pretty good team. They've been a little unfortunate uh, here and there. I think Josh Jacobs is the workhorse. He's he's one of the best values on this slate. He's definitely one of my favorite plays, no question about it. Ken Walker at 5,800. No need to really talk about that. Anybody who's watching this knows Ken Walker. He's getting all the work. 
Um, Travis Homer's not back yet. DJ Dallas isn't much of a factor. Ken Walker at the Los Angeles Chargers at 5,800. Certainly some great value there. 21 carries uh, last week for 97 yards plus two receptions. Wouldn't shock me at all if he gets more receptions uh, as the weeks unfold here, even with DJ Dallas and Travis Homer coming back. I just think Ken Walker is is going to be a tremendous value until he gets to like the 6,500 range. And then you can start considering backing off and going to alternative value. But I love Ken Walker this week. Uh, Travis Etienne at 5,400, I think is an interesting speculative play. If you just think his his shares of the rushing attempts and receiving work is going to continue to go up, I will point out that James Robinson did have more rushing attempts than Travis Etienne. This last week, Etienne only had 10 rushing attempts to, to J-Rob's 12, as I said. But I, I do think Etienne's going to get more quality touches ultimately. I think he's somewhat game script proof. And I do expect even in neutral game scripts, his rushing share to go up, to tick up slowly but surely. I don't know that I want to speculate this week with you know, being able to pay right up for a 5,800 um Ken Walker or pay down to Kenyon Drake at 5,100. That, that's the other value that I'm seeing so far is, is Drake. If J.K. Dobbins is out, which I suspect he will be, Drake looked really good. Like he didn't look like a flash in the pan running back. He was hitting holes. And when he wasn't hitting holes, he was fast enough to break it outside and get tremendous value out of his runs, run to run. I, I was I was really impressed with Kenyon Drake. I think the Ravens were as well. I think he will command most of the carries if and when J.K. Dobbins is out. So I do like the value of Kenyon Drake at 5,100. Again, more value will open up as we sort of, as each day goes by and injury reports come out. So I'm not trying to cover everybody on, on the quick look. So um, we'll cover more on Thursday, the game-by-game preview. But let's go to, real quick, let's go to some receivers I like. And then we will we'll touch on a couple tight ends. And then, Zach, I want to bring you on just to just to see what you think about this this. Uh, commander's news okay we got Devonte at the top i'm not going to be interested in paying up for that personally um i think it's more of a josh jacobs play for me in this game that is Devonte adams but let's not i don't have a problem if you want to play Devonte. it's just it's just too rich for my blood here jamar chase at 8200 i'm a fan of that play I'll, I'll be playing some jamar chase just like i did last week I, I like that um as we go down i'm not really interested in a lot of these guys up top like Pittman. i'm not i'm not looking to repeat from what i saw last week the 48 passing attempts by matt ryan i'm I, I just don't see that happening again. And, and I just, I don't think I trust that offense enough game to game. I'd rather go somewhere else. I think Mike Williams is interesting, especially if Keenan Allen is out. His matchup against defensive backs is going to be a lot better this week, this coming week than it was on Monday night football against Patrick Sertain uh, Jr. The second. Uh, so I, I do like Mike Williams, especially if his ownership is low. Give me DK Metcalf all day, 6,600. His price actually went down from last week, 200. So he's he's still tremendous value. Amari Cooper, I talked about already at 6,100. I really like Amari Cooper, and I think we're all kind of sleeping on him a little bit. And, and again, he had a ton of targets last week, and I expect those targets to be uh, the same this week, and I expect him to be more efficient with them. You know, catching four of 12 isn't really – um, what I'm expecting from Amari Cooper week to week. Brandon Ayuk at 6,000, I think is an interesting speculative play. Um, I say speculative because I, I'm a little uneasy about it in this San Francisco offense, but he does seem to be the, like the alpha receiver. Like I understand Debo is the alpha everything, like running back, receiver, utility player, but Ayuk's super talented. And I think he, you know, we're seeing him getting kind of more targets than Debo Samuel ultimately. And against this Kansas City defense, uh, you could get loose. So 6,000, if you're stacking this game or if you're trying to do a skinny stack, getting pieces of this game, uh, it's Ayuk for me over like Debo, over Kittle, over Jeff Wilson. He, he's going to be my guy. Last week caught eight of 11 
Uh, and again, the Kansas City pass defense, not good. Lockett at 5,800. 5, he's still tremendous value. Love the bounce back potential of him. He only went up 200 from last week's price and the week before. He was the same price both weeks. Only caught four or 12 targets, but but he and DK, DK Metcalf are the guys. Uh, Michael Gallup at 5,100 if you want to speculate with Dak Prescott. I don't mind him at all. I think Noah Brown is also sneaky if you want to get really kind of contrarian and sneaky in that Dallas-Detroit game. Uh, Romeo Dobbs, you know, not great efficiency. He did have nine targets last week, and he's going against the Washington defense, and we have a Randall Cobb injury. So it's Alan Lazard at 6,100, I believe, and it's Romeo Dobbs at 5,000. I think both of those guys have some serious upside and and a potential bounce back spot against a terrible Washington secondary. Somebody to keep an eye on for sure. DJ Moore at 4,900. I don't hate that. Um, MVS at 4,400. I, I don't hate that at all. Um, played a ton of snaps. Him and Juju played the most snaps of all the receivers 82% for MVS, uh, 88% for Juju. It could be one or the other, frankly, week to week. I think Juju's still going to get a little bit more volume than MVS, but in terms of the big play potential, I think it could go either way. And I would actually lean MVS there. And then McCole Harmon, um, you know, he only he played less than half the snaps, by the way, but at 4,300, an interesting speculative play against a, a very banged up uh, defense for San Francisco. Let's touch on the tight ends real quick, Zach. We're going to go to Kelsey and Andrews at the top. Some obvious plays right there. I prefer Andrews in this matchup because I'm getting a discount. And I am I think I'm getting the, the, the better production in this particular uh, week seven. I, I prefer, I think Mark Andrews is going to outscore Travis Kelsey. Uh, curious to, to hear what Mike McClure thinks of these two tight ends as they compare to each other, but also as they compare to the rest of the slate. I'm just curious if Mike is interested in any other tight end in the slate, because my impression is that there's enough value for him to play one of these guys in every single lineup. And I think that's what his stance is ultimately going to be. I think David Njoku at 4,200 is very interesting as we kind of skip down there. He, he's the second leading target getter in uh, on the Cleveland offense. And he has big play upside. And the Baltimore secondary, the Baltimore defense in general, it's just not there. I, I think there's some serious big play potential from David Njoku. So somebody to definitely consider if you're not paying up for Kelsey and Andrews. I think there's a lot of guys down in this range to consider. Robert Tunyon at 4,100 is certainly one of those guys who who is starting to get the targets. And I think is more of a reliable target to Aaron Rodgers. I, you know, so in fact, this is the, the last thing we'll do. Click on Robert Tunyon's game log, if you would. Because we mentioned him a few weeks ago, and I see Daniel Bellinger down there at 3,400. I don't want to forget about him because he's actually been pretty good and also a reliable target. But, you know, starting from week three, seven targets, two targets, four targets, 12 targets. I don't know where it's ultimately going to land, but I, I think we can count on between five and eight targets for Robert Tunyon week to week. And again, against Washington, does he find the end zone? I certainly think it's more likely this week than most weeks. So I think he's an interesting speculative play at 4,100. I mean, just keep in mind, he's he's half of what Travis Kelsey costs. Now, Travis Kelsey's going to get way more receptions. He's probably going to outscore Tunyon um, by a lot. But if you have to dip down in this range, I think guys like Njoku, Tunyon, maybe a guy like Bellinger, um, I think those guys are potentially in play as, as just uh, pivots off of that. So that is the early look. Um, I want to look at the questions, but Zach, if you don't mind, I wanted to bring you on. So, you know, we were talking about this before we we went on the air, of course, and we're Washington Commanders fans, and we've had to sort of endure the Dan Snyder era since, and I don't even know when it started, but I'm guessing around 1991, 1992 was when he became the owner. 1999. Oh, was it 99? Oh, excuse me. Okay. So it's been only 23 years. It feels like 33. So that's why my math was wrong. But yeah, so, it, it, you know, 
what happened today was interesting. I don't think it's breaking news or anything. I think there's there's certainly something to be said for the owners wanting Dan Snyder out. There's a lot of sort of um, reporting that has gone on. I don't know that the reporting's really been verified or super sourced. If it has, it's been more of anonymous than anything. But that Dan Snyder has dirt on other owners and you know that kind of thing. But I thought it was kind of funny, Zach, that of all people to kind of come out and like, listen, speak your truth. Like, that's fine. Like, even if you have a bad reputation, it doesn't mean you, you, you're not allowed to have an opinion. You're not allowed to, to voice it. But of all owners to come out and, and say something about, you know, kind of endorsing Dan Snyder's removal, it was Jim Ursay of all people. And, I, you know, you know, not, everybody kind of knows, I think, his past. And it's just, I just think it's, and it's not just about his past. He's just an, an inflammatory character. He's just like not necessarily the guy I'd want to be the ambassador to, to, to the cause of getting Dan Snyder out. But with all that said, I, I just, you know, as a commander's fan, I just wanted your thoughts on just all, all, all the stuff in general as, as a fan. I never thought we'd see the day where a current NFL owner publicly came out against him i thought it'd be all behind the scenes closed door type of things where the vote would be made public and things would kind of go from there but to see him come out and say it is astonishing it's not like he's a new owner it's not like he's uh, mr walton with the broncos or mr tepper with the panthers this is jim Irsay. this this family has been in the nfl for almost half a century and for him to come out and say now he's not worried about potentially any backlash because everything, like you already said, everything, all the struggles and everything is with him. It's already been made public. He didn't really care. So I think it's very interesting that it would come out and say that because obviously maybe they just spoke about it in the meeting, but for him, he knew what he was doing when he said it, he knew it was going to be, he was going to go to the top of the Twitter trends and everybody's going to be talking about it. And every news outlet is going to be talking about it. Cause this, this is a big deal. So for, for people in DC, maybe this is kind of a sign of relief. I, I saw this one great tweet earlier a lot of people in Baltimore don't like the Irsay family because obviously in 1984 they moved the Colts from Baltimore to Indy. But maybe some people around the D.C. area, maybe this gives them a little bit of solace. Yeah. No, I, I yeah. I mean, it's again, I I don't begrudge anybody who I don't care who you are. If you have an opinion and you have a platform, express your opinion. I think you're right. I mean, I, I definitely like, I don't think he, I'll be honest. I don't think he's going to be removed anytime soon. That's just my, my take there is that a lot of this is just kind of like smoke that ends up getting, getting kind of like brushed away a little bit. Maybe eventually he does get removed or maybe he feels the pressure and just wants to sell the team at, at an incredible, an incredible uh, investment as it'll turn out. I, I don't know, but it, it does take a lot to, and we know, you know, a lot has happened in Washington with, with that team on an executive level in particular, but it takes a lot. And I just, I just wonder if, if we're at that time or if we're going to be having the same conversation in a couple of years. I mean, you just look at the team and you just go to the, I don't know the last time you went to the game or you go to the stadium, it's nowhere near the nation's capital. The, the stadium's either empty or it's filled with opposing fans and the stadium's kind of falling apart. The, the one thing for me is we're having the world cup here in a couple of years and the, the nation's capital's not getting a game because of FedEx field, because it's not suitable. And he can't get a new stadium, which has been clearly laid out. And it, it really would be best for him to. I don't. I don't think he's going to willingly leave selling. I don't think money. I don't think there's a number. I think. Yeah. It, I, I don't. I don't because if not, he, he would have been gone long ago. Yeah. But I, 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 I know you have the legal background. I don't want to say anything that's that's, that's uh, inappropriate because obviously he likes to pull lawyers in for lots of different <laughs> things. But it's 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 this is very interesting how it's all kind of transpired over the last week. Yeah. That, that article on Thursday 
that that wasn't like that's three big big time ESPN journalists that had a, that were working on that for months, and that's right. all verified. They're not coming through with that if they have one source. They're no, they're that's true. Everything. That's true. My initial reaction to that was like, what are where are the sources? But I think you're right. They're not doing that unless it's properly sourced. This isn't like some like random blog that's coming out with this. So I, I respect what you're saying there. Okay. Uh, stay on with it, Zach. I'm going to close the show, but I, I do want to look at these questions. Okay. So David, a, you have a CRU on tonight's show. You're of course talking about the fantasy football today show. I, I, is that going to be Dan and, um, and Adam tonight, Zach, do you know that I'm not hundred percent sure. So anyway, I was on the show last Thursday. I was on with Dan Schneier and, and Adam Azer. I just joined the FFT guys for, for a night. He says, if so, we need to do the potato chip poll you wanted. So we wanted to rank potato chips, Zach. We wanted to, uh, they had, they were ranking cookies. I can't remember what it was. Uh, and, uh, yeah, potato chip. Well, do you have a favorite potato chip, Zach? I love, uh, what's, what's it called? Cape, Cape Cod, Cape Cod chips. You were the Cape Cod potato chips. Interesting. Okay. That feels like kind of fancy. What about like, if you're going to, what if you're like, it's not fancy, but like, what if you're like going to Publix, like, like kind of like, an, like a popular brand or something or a grocery store or whatever. Probably go with like uh, like Lay's or Doritos. I got a take for you. Are Pringles? Do Pringles count as chips? They're always yeah. small. They is that they count as yeah. chips. Pringles count as chips. The only chip. argument to not being chips would be that they're not like in a chip bag, but they are one hundred percent chips. In fact, I love that container. I think it's a cool, cool container. Pringles are great. I like Doritos, the nacho cheese. I like old school. A lot of you people that are younger than, than me, Zach, I don't know if you're familiar. Like there used to be like a salsa Rio flavor. There used to be Cool Ranch. I think Cool Ranch is still I around. Like but cool they had some like different flavors back then that were like pretty cool. I love Cheetos and I love cheese curls. Cheese curls are like the best thing that ever happened to me. I I, I don't eat them a lot because it's honestly it's really bad for you. Like eat eat it in moderation. But all right, so uh, let's see. Let me just look at some fantasy football-related questions before we get out of here. MBS is trash, says Ulrich. Hey, listen, I don't necessarily disagree with you. Okay, so, like, I get it. I understand. Like, he did. He wasn't successful. with. I was saying this during our offseason series, too. I was saying it about Sky Moore. For all the Sky Moore bros that were like, oh, my God, he's going to smash, like, right away. I'm like, he was the 10th receiver drafted. Like, I, like, like where, 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 where's this pedigree everybody's talking about? And, and here he is, like, barely getting any snaps. So – I, I, and he's not, by the way, and he's, he hasn't yet beat out Juju Smith-Schuster or Marcus Valdez-Scantling, who, to your point, Ulrich, is not exactly like a premium receiver in this league. The only reason I brought him up, though, is because he still has value in an offense that has Travis Kelsey as the primary receiver and nobody else. If you hit right, like if you hit right on Juju Smith-Schuster, you're, you're pretty happy about it. Juju is no better than MBS in this offense, in my opinion. They have a different skill set, but they, they're not actually better than each other. It's it's anybody's game, and it's just a matter of whether you guess right. So if you guess right on MBS and he has four catches for 89 yards and a touchdown, well, good job because he was only 4,300 or 4,600, whatever it is this week. So, yeah, he might not be a good receiver, but it's really about the situation. It's not about the talent himself. And the situation is pretty good, especially against the banged-up San Francisco secondary, who has been known in the past to lose some receivers uh, on, on fly routes. I, I, it, does, it wouldn't shock me at all if MBS gets a touchdown and, and a long bomb, even though he's running some of the shorter area routes as well. Okay, someone dropped Antonio Gibson. Is he worth using a waiver on? I think no, Zach. No, right? No. No. I mean, like, if – for the end of the bench kind of guy, like yeah. like there's upside there. If for somehow he turns it on and becomes their passing down back, which they were kind of using him a little bit, but it's really right now it's McKissick and and Brian, and, uh, Brian Robinson did look good on Thursday. It didn't look great, but obviously guys like he's had an interesting off season and he's mm-hmm. coming back and it's gonna it's gonna be a lengthy process. But unless something like de- derails Brian Robinson, maybe early fumbles and they bring him back in, like I put him on the end of the bench. A lot of people like having guys on the bench who you're never gonna play. 
But if Brian Robinson's not playing and there's a good matchup, you're playing Antonio Gibson. Mm-hmm. Like, or a bye week guy. So, I mean, if he's there, I wouldn't spend a lot. If, if it's a kind of a, if it's a fob, if it was just kind of a waiver order snag, and if it's a fob, I wouldn't spend a ton. But that's the kind of guy that if they've got a good matchup against a horrible run defense and Brian Robinson's not playing, mm-hmm. that's the kind of guy you're, you're going to start. Yeah, and with all that said, Brian Robinson is, is definitely like the guy for now, at least. Um, there's there's a lot of comments about Tom Brady, like that you think he's going to do well against Carolina. Like, yeah, maybe. But we thought he was going to do really well against Pittsburgh, who didn't have their entire secondary. And he was really quite bad. The whole offense was bad. They're, they can't run the ball. Um, yeah, he's going to have a good day one of these days. But is he worth playing over some, in DFS? Is he worth playing over some of these guys we talked about? I think the answer to that is no. Um Let's see, DJ Moore fixing to get dropped. That's fine if you don't have a deep bench. But I would actually give him a, another couple of weeks. Once this quarterback situation is really figured out, you never know. They could actually kind of get him going a little bit. So short bench, get rid of him. If you don't have a short bench, I wouldn't. Right, Zach? Yeah, with, with Moore, I don't even think it's about that. I, I'm just praying that he somehow finds his way out of Carolina. It's, uh, dreadlines in a couple of weeks. I, I put it out earlier today on my own Twitter. Um, there's no reason why the Green Bay Packers should not be – inquiring about dj Moore with the struggles they're having and i said they've never used a first round pick on a receiver now's the time now's the time go get him you need a number one guy who can create space that's your guy and you're not they they need they're 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 falling carolina they're going into i know people some people are saying oh they've been in rebuild they're 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 blowing it up they're blowing it up so they're entertaining offers on McCaffrey. They're entertaining offers most likely on anybody and dj Moore is the kind of guy that he just needs that quarterback and I, Aaron, Rod, him and Aaron Rodgers would be unbelievable. So, but I wouldn't drop him because if so you drop him and he gets traded, you're going to regret it. I totally agree with that take. That that's a that's an excellent take. Okay, we'll we'll end on this one, Zach. This is from Ishmael Jr. Aravello, and he says, "Should I trade AJ Brown for Gabe Davis? I have Josh Allen and want to stack." Okay, so I understand you want to stack. And I understand it's Josh Allen and it's a Josh Allen stack to one of his primary receivers. Zach, don't do that, right? Like that's a terrible move, right? No, no. Gabe Davis looked great last week. He looked great with his touchdown on Sunday, but he's he's hit or miss. He's basically like he's a bigger, he's Deshaun Jackson 2.0 in fantasy. He's either gonna go crazy or you're gonna wonder if he played or not. And a guy like AJ Brown, AJ Brown's getting consistent targets and consistent, and he's he's finally healthy and they're playing well and they're kind of building. And I'd much rather have A.J. Brown. Gabe Davis, is he's a flex for me. Yeah, I, I like A.J. Brown a lot. And I like him a lot rest of the season. I love and I, I also like the idea of, you know, the weather kind of getting grimy as, as we get closer. And I think you're going to see a little less of Devontae Smith in those cases and a little bit more of those kind of short area routes, those slants that he can take to the house to A.J. Brown, which we see him do kind of every year. Um, uh, yeah, don't do not do the Gabe Davis thing. I understand how enticing that is, but but don't do that. Um, all right, so by the way, if you want this analysis from Zach, um, again, I know everybody watching this probably already follows you on Zach, so forgive me, but uh, you know, follow him, turn your alerts on, know that he's answering these questions all the time. Um, I know I see it on the weekend, but I know you're doing it all the time. So um, Zach, I think that's, that's going to be our show today. We covered it all. We did the early look. We did the lineup recap. We did some Washington Commanders talk, and we answered some of your redraft questions. Um, Ishmael, thanks for the question. Everybody, thank you for the questions. We are going to be back. Zach's going to be back. Uh, I'm going to be back. Mike McClure is going to be back on Thursday for our game-by-game preview for this 11-game slate. I'm really intrigued by some of these stacks. I think I kind of, you know, I didn't let the cat out of the bag exactly because I haven't made some decisions, but there's like five or six games that I'm really interested in this week, and I'm going to have to narrow it down to like the three that I love. I'm going to have to narrow it down to the stacks that I love within those three or four games. So, 
Uh, Thursday's show is going to be really important, um, not just for my opinion, of course, but for uh, Mike's as well. We're going to give our top three. We're going to give our cheat sheet. Uh, we're going to do it all. So until then, that is Zach Brook. My name is Sia Najan. This is Fantasy Football Today DFS, and we will see you again on Thursday at 5 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Until then. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.